on into another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It's Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bow. For the first time ever, the Big Time Sports Podcast Show is in person between its two hosts. We are finally here in Mitch's studio. Once again, Mitch, how the heck are you? I don't think it could be better, considering <laughs> this is the 100th episode we're doing together. Yes. We're finally together in person, so there's no delay between us when we're talking like usual. And it's week two of the high school football season. I don't know if there's much more to be excited about because certainly it's not about the Guardians. Buddy, it's 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 an exciting time for football. It's a less exciting time for Northeast Ohio baseball, but we are here to cover it all here on the show. I want to thank you guys for tuning in, whether it's here on YouTube or on our podcasting platforms and Apple Podcasts and Spotify, everywhere else. You can find us, BigTimeSportsOhio.com. I mean, we're all getting into this. And it is time now for us to go into our first segment, which is covering week two of the high school football season, as you just mentioned, Mitch. I mean, we're going over a lot of the stuff right now, a lot of the uh, weekend matches we will be heading into. You will be seeing a couple of these uh, upcoming games here on Big Time Sports, our broadcasting schedule. I mean, tonight we are seeing a matchup over in Cam between the South Wildcats and the Dover Crimson Tornadoes that right now, Mitch, looks to be extremely interesting because Dover is coming off a tough loss to a Federal League opponent, uh, last week in the opener, and Can South had a high-scoring game opposite of Dover against uh, St. Clairsville. Yeah, it certainly doesn't get any easier for Dover coming into tonight's matchup. I mean, you're going against one of the top quarterbacks in Stark County in Poochie Snyder, a quarterback that has lit opposing defenses on fire. Now, we know Dover's defense really settled in last week, holding Green to only 14 points. It was really the offense that struggled for Dover, but at the same time, can that offense not struggle tonight against a high-flying, high-powered offense in the Canton South Wildcats because if they can't, Mitch, this game could get ugly. But at the same time, that defense played so well for Dover and there wasn't much defense for Canton South Week 1 because that was a high-scoring game back and forth. The question becomes, can Dover's defense manage Poochie Snyder? Can he keep him in, in check? If that's the case, maybe Dover is able to spring a few things on offense, but... This is going to be an exciting matchup because when's the last time Dover started the season with two straight road games, both in Stark County? Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting matchup for Dover, who only scored one touchdown the last week on their opening drive of the season. J.J. Barton, arguably the top offensive player for the Tornadoes in that one, was able to get the score to get the Tornadoes on top early. Then Green had a couple of scores uh, later on in the game. And then for the second half, the teams went scoreless. Dover actually had a chance to get down the field and score with less than a minute to go, but it was at around the five-yard line, and the Bulldogs' defense uh, held them to a turnover on down. So it's unfortunate for Dover. And you mentioned Snyder, who had five total touchdowns last week, as they wrote here on if you if you follow big time sports ohio.com or us on facebook and twitter i am writing game previews i just posted the one this morning regarding dover and canton south uh snyder as i mentioned five touchdowns on the game uh, 182 passing yards, 152 rushing yards on 12 carries. And then two of those went over to Trey Wilson, who actually had a better night even more so than the leading receiver last year for, for Canton South in Tavon Castle. So it's going to be a very interesting matchup between the two sides. We'll see who comes out on top here on Big Time Sports. Now, we have a Saturday matchup that I want to uh, shout out really quickly, and it's going to be in New Philadelphia on Saturday between the Tuscarora Central Catholic Saints and the Irish of Fisher Catholic High School. These are two teams that are kind of coming off really tough losses, I, I got to mention, Mitch. I mean, uh, Fisher Catholic was victim to a huge loss last week to Crooksville that ended, actually ended up helping uh, Crooksville break like a long losing streak dating back to 2021. They went winless last season. They had three losses the year prior at the end, and uh, they were able to snap that. And then Tuscarora Central Catholic uh, also coming off a, a, a big loss there. But we will be at... 
uh, New Philly Saturday night for big time sports. So let's go back uh, over to your area because I want to talk about some of the matchups that we're going to have in this uh, upcoming Friday night. I mean, we're actually ending up uh, going over. If you're going to see it, if you're going to this game tonight, tell them about the game that we're going to, Mitch, and kind of talk about some of the details about it. We're heading over to Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. And we're going to go see the McKinley Bulldogs in their home opener this year. And they welcome in one of the top Division II teams in the state of Ohio, definitely Northeast Ohio. And outside of Hoban and Maslin, it might be the best D2 team in Northeast Ohio. We're talking about Avon, a team that has posted double-digit wins every season for the past 13 seasons. That is an incredible feat, especially when you consider you're talking about players four years max in the program that are then graduating. So the coaching has remained the same at Avon. They have been able to showcase their players and have guys watch what they become, if that makes sense. They're able to show guys, if you do this, this is what can happen. And the players are bought bought in. And so for McKinley, coming off a big week one win, up in Youngstown defeating Warren, this is a huge game for the Bulldogs, a team that has a lot of hype coming into the season. I know around here I dubbed them as probably one of the favorites preseason in the Federal League. We're not in Federal League play yet, so obviously it doesn't hurt them if they lose. But at the same time, this could be a statement win for McKinley tonight. And I know you're excited to go to this because a home opener for McKinley is generally a pretty big deal. And we get to go to Benson Hall of Fame Stadium, which is McKinley's home field. So it's going to be a tremendous venue. There's no doubt about that. Probably the best high school venue you can get in the state of Ohio. And then we're watching two really good football teams play tonight, which I don't think we can be upset about. No, we can't. And we want, we saw the Bulldogs make a bit of a statement last week in their road victory uh, against Warren G. Harding High School. Uh, the offense really got things going in the second half, had about 450 yards of total offense on the game. Keaton Road had uh, uh, two touchdowns of on 13 of 23 passing. Uh, the the de- defensive line for McKinley, though, is, is a big story after the Week 1 game. Six sacks against uh, uh, Harding, and then they had they limited uh, uh, the, the in the victory to 204 yards of total offense, which is going to be very interesting, even against an Avon team. That's uh, they they're coming off a, a big win too against Brunswick, 49 to seven. Yeah, they certainly are, and I mean Brunswick is a very good team. They have a wonderful and tremendous running back and senior uh, Jacorian Caffey. He's a Cincinnati recruit. The thing about McKinley, though, Mitch, is we talked about the defense. Their offense, the offensive line last week, helped produce 449 total yards on offense. 13 to 23 passing for two touchdowns, no interceptions for Keaton Road. That is incredible, especially with some of the switches McKinley has made on the offensive line. They now have players that are playing two ways. We, we saw that earlier this season, or preseason, excuse me, from Coach Hall trying to get guys to buy in to play two ways, and, and players are all for it. Can that offensive line keep up tonight? And then Ken McKinley, can the defensive line step up again to stop a Cincinnati recruit at running back? Because he really is how Avon's offense goes. If he's going and the passing game opens up, this could be a really fun back-and-forth contest with two tremendous running backs. I mean, Nino Hill is a Division I recruit, obviously only in his junior year at McKinley after sitting out half the season last year. This could be a lot of fun. This could be back and forth, back and forth. This could be a blowout one way. And it wouldn't be. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's either team because both these teams are so high powered in offense. But I think you and I are in for a treat tonight. 
for high school football for a week two matchup. You mentioned Hill. He had to sit out the last the first half last week due to disciplinary reasons, but he did end up uh, having a solid game otherwise. 154 rushing yards, two touchdowns. But Ja'Korian Caffey, the Cincinnati recruit that you just uh, talked about there, had two two touchdowns on 14 carries and 119 rushing yards. So expe- I would expect a, a big or a very significantly ground game between the two sides tonight over at Tom Benson. And those that's just one of the matches we have between our uh, uh, one of featuring one of our federal league counterparts. We also have games like uh, uh, Maslin's going to be back in ta- uh, back in action this week. I mean, kind of take me through some of the uh, the matchups you have on your screen there. Let's start with Maslin. Maslin coming off a huge win last week, where they outscored their opponent twenty eight to three after the first quarter against Valdosta last week. And I mean, DeWan Owens can he repeat that performance last week? And can Maslin? Not play down to the level, and that's no slight at Glen Oak, but when you talk about the week one matchup that you had for Masson last week, that is about as big as you can get. We don't typically see teams from out of state. If it is out of state, Mitch, it's usually a neighboring state in Ohio, not Georgia. Not Valdosta, who's the number one most winningest program in the history of high school football in the country. They welcome in Glen Oak. This is a, we'll call it rivalry but, or, or series, that has been going on now for a number of years, week two. Sometimes they play on Thursday nights because both stadiums have lights. Where is Glen Oak at after their week one win? How do they bounce back? This is a team last year, Mitch, that they were kind of in the game at first, and then Maslin pulled away. Garcia back at the helm for Glen Oak in his third season now after he stepped away for a few years. You have the Burt brothers that are a tremendous pair of athletes. I'm curious to see what Glen Oak does tonight offensively and defensively to see if they can stay in this game against Maslin because they have the athletes to do so. Can they stay disciplined enough? Can they buy in enough? And can... They weather the storm when things get tough because we know Maslin is a tremendous football team. We know they're going to have plays go their way. We know they're going to be able to disrupt plays for Glen Oak offensively. Can Glen Oak stay level-headed? And can they stay in this game and potentially pull off one of the biggest upsets we've seen so far, you know, just two weeks in? I mean, we're kind of keeping the focus on Glen Oak right now. You talk, We were talking before the show about the uh, coaching kind of prowess of Scott Garcia. This is a second time as a second tenure, I should say, as Glen Oaks head coach. He has gone seven and 14, I believe the past two seasons, but in the previous, I think four seasons before that, he had just had a total of five wins. So there is progress being seen right now. And they've been able to get a couple of uh, key victories against the likes of Maslin and McKinley over the last, you know, decade or so just hasn't been as consistent you you see a matchup like this tonight for the Eagles. What do you think is the biggest thing that they're going to have to do in order to to make, keep themselves in the game against a Tigers team that if they play the way they did in the second half this week from last week this week could be a long night. I think if you're Glen Oak, you have to limit the run game. Last week, now granted, Valdosta has a ton of athletes all over the field. Valdosta was able to shut down the pass game early, and Maslin got going when the run game opened up. Once the run game opened up, Valdosta tried to stop that at full, full out, stop the run, and the pass game opened up. Can Glen Oak stay disciplined enough to keep the pass game to a minimum? And then can the Burt brothers continue to build off of last season? I mean, you look at junior, uh, or now senior, Avante Burt. He had 1,700 all-purpose yards as a junior last year. And his senior year, uh, just opening this year, seven carries for 50 rushing yards and 109 receiving yards. Get the ball in your playmaker's hands. And if you're Glen Oak, get it out of the playmaker's hands. Make DeWan Owens uncomfortable. 
He didn't look uncomfortable last week, but that was also after he broke a 69-yard touchdown run and a 65-yard touchdown run. It's hard to make anybody look uncomfortable after you have that type of success. I want to see what Adrian Burt, which is Avante's brother, can do tonight at quarterback and where Glen Oak can find something to build off of in this game. Can they take what they did last week in that big win, build off of it into this matchup, and can they stay disciplined enough? Because, like I said, Masson's going to punch. Maslin got punched first last week, which is typically not what we see. They got punched, but they punched back, and they punched back again, and Valdosta wasn't ready. This is, without the rivalry tag on it, Mitch, this is a rivalry game, though, because Maslin is the powerhouse in Stark County. You look at the success they've had, state championship games appearances, state final four appearances. Obviously, the state championship hasn't come yet, but for Glen Oak, this is a program that has now been Kind of sleeping for a while. You remember John Dorsey coming to Cleveland saying, it's time to awake the sleeping giant. That's almost what this feels like for Glen Oak. They're just waiting for something to go their way. And what better way could it be than tonight going on the road to Maslin and knocking off the Tigers? Garcia's done it before. Garcia's beat Maslin and McKinley the same year before as a head coach at Glen Oak. Uh, what, 2011 and 2012 and maybe 13, I think they did that? It's possible. I'm intrigued to see what happens, though, in that game tonight. It's going to be interesting. And there's two other games that I really do want to keep a, a highlight on because these are matchups that, you know, when I first saw them, I'm like, wow, this is going to be very... It's a captivating matchup for people who are, like, trying to keep their eyes peeled on the Federal League. One is a match between two teams that won last week. It's Akron St. Vincent St. Mary's in Maslin against the Perry Panthers, which, uh, you know, Perry obviously beat uh, Kansas Central Catholic la- last week. St. V's uh, beat Mansfield 35-14, to the home opener. Akron was uh, a good team last year. St. V's was a good team last year, 8-4, and four, got in the playoffs. I wouldn't say they're among the best, but when you go into this game, you have a number of guys coming back uh, uh, alongside with Terry Stone, who's coming into his second season as head coach. And the Panthers right now, I'm I'm very curious to see if they're going to be able to maintain their 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 own home field when we when we get this matchup. I think when you play at the jungle, which is what they call it over at Perry, that is a home field advantage. But it's also a home field advantage because, like I mentioned last week, the offense and the style which Perry plays, the wing tee. It's hard to replicate that in your scout team on your defense leading up to the week against Perry. Going home now after being on the road, granted, was it really a road game even though it was three blocks away from Perry <laughs> High School? This is a team that had 400, 402 rushing yards last week, Mitch. They can get it done on the ground. And the issue with that sometimes is if they fall behind, can they pass? If this is a team that scores first, it's going to be hard to put them away unless you are disciplined enough and understand how to stop the wing tee. This is a big matchup. Perry's defense though last week Zach Slate's head coach of the Panthers this week said he was not happy with it. Allowed 425 all-purpose yards, seven big chunk plays. So for Perry, it seems like they need to get rid of the chunk plays. This is going to be a tall task because St. V's is more than capable than having big play after big play after big play. I'm really concerned, though, for St. V's. How do you prep your team for the wing tee offense? I think Federal League teams are able to do it better, but that's because they play this style of offense every single year. One time. These teams that don't ever see it, and now you're talking about St. V's coming to Masson tonight to take on the Panthers at the jungle. 
I'm intrigued to see how they do. And if, if St. V's can stop it tonight, Mitch, this is a team that's growing up faster than what I think a lot of people in the area thought. I can see that. And finally, the one that, uh, that captivates me the most is North Cannon Hoover. Didn't have the best winning against Akron Bookta last week, but a win nonetheless. An impressive win, despite some kind of iffy plays, according to head coach Brian Baum. Uh, they play a team that was undefeated until the regional finals last year in Hudson. The Explorers are coming in for the first time since uh, or uh, 2015, I should say. That This seems like a lot for uh, the Vikings to be taking in. And it's not like they can't compete, but right now it feels like the Explorers are coming in with a bit of an edge. Yeah, it's the familiar faces for Hudson, I think, that plays a factor. Hoover returns the best possible familiar face in Carson Durland, the quarterback, who's probably one of the best if not the best quarterback in Stark County. But Hudson returns a lot of guys from the team last year, and this is a team that, Mitch, to me, is not phased going on the road. You look at their track record. I mean, going undefeated all the way to the regional final would kind of prove that, which the regional final is a neutral site game. This is where big-time players step up. This is where Carson Durlin, Division One recruit for football, steps up as a big game. This is where he says, all right, you know what? Back and forth game, maybe. Low scoring game. They stopped us. And we'll get to this later. But almost that leader like Tim Tebow was in that Florida team that we saw in the documentary, which I know we're going to talk about mm-hmm. later. But we're going to score. Just follow my lead. Let's do this. He's the type of guy that can do that now. Because one, he's the quarterback. Quarterback always is able to be somewhat of a leader, whether it's vocal or by his actions. But this is a guy who's played in some big games too. And so I'm really intrigued to see how Hoover bounces back. After, listen, you want to start the season 1-0. But your coach just say, yeah, we didn't play well. You know, does the team accept that challenge in the week leading up to this? Do they respond? And how does Hoover play at home tonight in front of what is, I'm imagining, going to be a very big crowd and against a really darn good football team that's very disciplined. They're not going to make many mistakes. Can Hoover make less mistakes and force Hudson into some bad decisions is what I'm looking for. I've been talking so much about the matchups I'm looking forward to in the Federal League. I mean, what are some of the ones that stand out to you? I mean, I know that Jackson has a game tonight. Lake has a game tonight. We have a couple of games outside of the Federal League into the uh, EBC, which is interesting. A couple of undefeated matchups in there. Any ones that particularly stand out to you as like, hey, keep an eye on this game? Well, let's start with Jackson. This is a team last week that hosted Menor. And Mitch, I think from a lot of outsiders' perspectives, it was like, oh, Menor. This, this is a team that's one of the best teams in Northeast Ohio one of the biggest public schools in the state, and they returned a lot of a lot of talented players from last year. It was like, okay, what can Jackson do? Well, what did Jackson do? They had the lead against Menor. They hung in there, and they lost by one score. To me, that said more about Jackson than it did Menor. This defense for Jackson in week one seems legit. I have to imagine it's going to stay that way with Jay Rohr as their head coach. This is a defensive-minded head coach. This is a player that knows what it takes, obviously had tremendous success at his time, at Jackson in the late 90s, early 2000s. Mayfield put up 58 points last week. 58 nothing winner week one. Is it because of who they played, or is the Mayfield offense this you know high-powered? We're going to find out tonight, and we're going to see if Jackson is able to make any adjustments on the offensive line to give quarterback Lucas Eckerman more time to throw the ball to his receivers uh, in fuel line, Benson, Kalando. All three of those receivers possess different skill sets. Kalando, the big receiver on the outside, throw it up, go get it. Fuel line, shifty, fast. Benson, shifty, fast. But they're both fully capable of making big plays. Saw it last year as juniors. I'm intrigued to see what Jackson does tonight after a disappointing loss, but I think a loss to everybody on the outside saying, wow, you know, Jackson surprised us. 
Lake and Boardman, that's another one, Mitch. Both teams 0-1. Lake, a disappointing 12-7 loss last week to Alliance. This is a team that needs to rebound fast because you lost some big-time players. You lost Will Butler, Federal League Player of the Year last year. Kale Jarvis, though, returns. This is the quarterback that started as a sophomore at Lake. Split time last year with Will Butler. How do the Blue Streaks bounce back? And can they have a better offensive showing than just seven points last week against Alliance at home? I have to think Lake bounces back tonight, especially under head coach Dan DeGeorge. Dan DeGeorge is one of the better coaches in the area. He always has his team ready to play. Not saying he didn't have them ready to play last week because right. we know Alliance is very talented, too, with Zerberg at quarterback, the Oklahoma you know, commit. But on the road, Boardman 0-1. Don't want to start 0-2 in high school football. I'm interested to see how this shapes up tonight with the Blue Streaks. I think the Blue Streaks will have a better chance tonight, especially because Boardman got gashed against their against uh, Division 5 Kentman in the opener. It was 50-13. to They gave up over 500 yards of offense. If Lake can take advantage of that, they're certainly going to get a good chance tonight. Green takes on South Range, which is interesting to me, and I'll kind of go through a couple more of these here. You mentioned Alliance are going to play uh, at home tonight against Niles, which is interesting for an EBC uh, matchup. And then a couple of ones that even leak over into my, my area. Before that, though, an EBC matchup between uh, uh, Carrollton and Philo. By the way, Jim Salimos won his 200th career game uh, with the Warriors. We had that uh, on the big on BigTimeSportsOhio.com via this week with Roger Moore, or Roger Moore, or Roger Metzger, excuse me, our uh, uh, weekly segment. And a couple of the ones I mentioned leaking over into the IVC, Sandy Valley taking on Manchester. Sandy Valley won a big game last week against Fairless, down to the wire uh, uh, over in Navarre, and then Fairless will take on Tusky Valley, uh, the other valley, to open up uh, week two. And then a couple of the games that I want to get to here in the Intervalley Conference, just before we uh, go to our next uh, segment, uh, a lot of still out-of-conference games right now. A lot of teams still trying to find their footing, heading into what will be week three and week four where all the IVC teams start to, to beat up on each other. I mean, John Adams plays Claymont. Garraway plays Waynedale. Those are the kind of the, the eh, matchups. Meadowbrook playing Indian Valley is interesting. Meadowbrook, uh, Indian Valley coming off a very solid win. Uh, we mentioned Sandy Valley, Manchester. We mentioned Tusky Valley, Fairless. Harrison Central taking on Buckeye Trail. Harrison Central broke through in the second half last week against Claymont. So now they'll take on the Warriors. Malvern uh, takes on Canton Valley. Bellsville takes on New Cumberstown. Tuscar Central Catholic will play Fisher Catholic. Obviously, we mentioned that there. Be sure to check that out on Big Time Sports Ohio. And uh, Strasburg will play a Saturday game against Steubenville Catholic Central. And that's going to be all the matches we have for week two. Going into, uh, heading into next week, which is week three. Hey, Star County, it's your friends from the local Board of Mental Health and Addiction Recovery, and we have a challenge for you. We're asking you to create a new habit and check in on someone every day. Nothing fancy, just a simple text, phone call, or note on social media to ask someone how they're doing. You don't have to be a professional, you just have to ask and then listen. Are you someone who could use a check-in? Text 4HOPE to 741-741 anytime, day or night, or dial 988. Eight. Brought to you by Stark County Mental Health and Addiction Recovery. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. 
we consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. All care. All care, all care. Where you matter. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young & Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Ben Noster and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. Happy Sardiversary with Sarda Rider Anthony. We're celebrating 25 years with our valued riders. And I absolutely enjoy riding the buses. I get to know a few of the drivers. Very respectful, very professional. Just an all-around about good experience. It helps people get to where they're going disabled, veterans, or people going to work. Thanks to all our riders as we celebrate Sarda 2-5 at Sarda. All right, we got high school football down there. Want to go over to our next segment now where we kind of talk about some other things going on in the sports world. Mainly, let's go to baseball, even though we said at the top of the show it's uh, it's not been great right now for the team. The, team, the, the Guardians, they're not good. They're not good. And, I, and I, said it, I think I said it last week, once we lost three out of four to the Tigers, I'm like, we're done. This is it. We're good. And uh, that and what happened on Tuesday? Yeah, I was going to say Tuesday. Going to the ballpark that day, I'm like, okay, I'll kind of get in there, you know, settle in, maybe get some things together. And then we go to the, to the, to the, to the pregame thing, and I'm like, well, it's completely turned on its head because now essentially Terry Francona has got to be careful with what I'm saying here. Hinted at the possibility of potential retirement. Um, and, and look, the, the things that he's been saying over the last uh, two days worth of pregame presses, Wednesday and Thursday, or, uh, yeah, Tuesday and Wednesday, excuse me, the one days that I was there, it's kind of like, yeah, you can kind of tell. And and it, for all I know, think, uh, decisions might be changed and maybe stays on for another year, but to me, it sort of seems like we're nearing the end of the Terry Francona era in Cleveland, which... Sucks for a number of different reasons. Number one, you hate to see him go because, you know, he's, he's been here for so long. You, you hate to see a guy have to step down. Second of all, it sucks because it kind of makes you wonder where the team goes from here. And that's not to say, like, we have no identity going into the next couple of seasons. We have a lot of young guys. We have a lot of uh, potential here in the, in the minor league system and possibly in the front office. But I don't know, man. It's just kind of one of those things where as much as people gave Tito flack this year, and I think... Sometimes it was just, there's very few guys who, who can do the things that he does, whether you're operating with analytics or with the olden ways of baseball. It, it, that's where I'm at. It, let's just start with Tuesday. Getting up to Cleveland for that game and then hearing it, driving up, that 
Tito had some different comments. Yeah. Right? Yep. He basically, without saying he's going to retire, made it seem like he's going to, but isn't officially announcing it yet. And there can be multiple reasons for why he's doing this. One is he's had a lot of health concerns, mm-hmm. right? We've seen it over the past number of years. How many times did we see Sandy Alomar Jr. as the acting uh, manager, then DeMarlo Hale mm-hmm. as the acting manager, the games he missed because he was, you know, feeling ill, his whatever it may be. We know that he's set to get shoulder surgery in the offseason, it looked like, maybe another procedure done for a, a hernia. Tito is getting up there in age. Yep. And at the same time, Mitch, this is a Hall of Fame manager. Anybody that disagrees with that strictly does not know baseball. Yeah. He is a Hall of Fame manager. He's at the point now where it's like, okay, I've done everything I want to. I got to come coach in Cleveland, which he had the tie here. He had a tremendous run. I mean, let's listen. We didn't win a World Series. We were hoping he could break our drought like he broke the Red Sox drought. He almost did. He came close. And we were relevant for not just one year or two years, Mitch. We were relevant for a while. Mm-hmm. We were the top team in the Central. But did the front office selling at the deadline maybe push him over? You, you Possibly. Just and listen, I'm not sitting here saying they officially waved the white flag because the division we're in, it's yeah. It, it wasn't like we traded Jose Ramirez. No, we traded no, no. a guy who was struggling that we really didn't want to keep in Josh Bell because of the money he was owed, right. assuming he opted in. Right. Ahmed Rosario was beyond disappointed. We need to see what we have at shortstop. And Aaron yeah. Savale, not a big fan of him, wasn't a big fan of him, but he typically would have really good starts and then just fall off. And then here he'd come again. You got a guy in Lazardo in that trade that maybe it works out. But at the same time, if you're Tito, you don't have time to wait around anymore. This is a guy that wants to win a World Series. This is a guy that also wants to manage his health. And Mitch, I'm assuming, wants to be able to enjoy the Hall of Fame celebration when he is in Sure. Because he's a first ballot Hall of Famer as soon as he's able to be on the ballot. It's going to suck. And what really sucks these people that think Tito isn't a good manager are going to think they're either right or they're going to miss him dearly and it's going to be bad for all of us. Right. Because I'm not rooting for us to be bad. No. I'm hoping that whoever the next head coach is, maybe it's Sandy Alomar Jr., we'll, we'll wait and see, is able to be successful. In that same aspect, if they're successful under a new manager, people are going to go, oh, see, it wasn't Tito, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you know what? If this team sucks after we make a head coaching change, after what you saw us do last year specifically, I just don't, I I don't understand the flack for him. I just, I also think it's Cleveland fans always being able to blame the head coach in other sports, right? The Browns, for instance, the Cavs for a while. We finally had the stability here with Terry Francona and maybe he changes his mind. Boy, do I hope he does. At the same time, I don't think I think he's done. I really do. I yeah. think he's done at the end of this year, and it's going to suck. And they won the other night after he had those comments. They you did. Thought, Was this a rallying point? Is yeah. Say this to get the team to rally around it. And you thought maybe, and then Wednesday started, and then got delayed to Thursday, and then the Dodgers took it out on us for beating them Tuesday night, giving them their first loss of or their third loss of the month of August. Yep. So I don't know. It sucks, but at the same time, you look around all of baseball. All these guys that are older players are retiring. Miguel Cabrera, I mean, tremendous. One of the probably top two hitters of our lifetime, him and Albert Pujols. He's up there. Thank God he's retiring because he tormented us for so many years <laughs> as a Detroit Tiger, so I'm happy to see him go. But I, 
This is going to give us talking points later on down the stretch here because the Guardians are six out as we record this after losing the last two to the Dodgers. They go to Toronto. Uh, I believe they play Minnesota. They yeah. play Tampa. I mean, the schedule is getting easier. It's over. The only way you can the only way you can survive this season still is if you sweep both series against Minnesota, and that might not even be enough at this rate. And even then, you have to go to Detroit to end the year, and you've shown yeah. no reason for us to have any faith that you can beat the Tigers this year because. They've owned us for the most part. And they also have the best winning percentage inside the Central against every other team in the Central. So the Tigers are built to beat Central Division opponents. They just lack capability to beat other opponents. So it's pretty much over. So now we just kind of have to hope that the guards don't bottom out or completely free fall. Mm-hmm. And they can end on a positive note for Tito and send him off the right way. And who knows? Maybe he retires, but at the same time, a few months later, changes his mind if he's feeling better. Um I also know this was not the season that he expected to have, right. the team expected to have, and you and I expected them to have. This is a team that we thought was winning the Central, going to the playoffs, healthy. This is going to be one of the better teams that we had for probably since 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the case. No, I mean, and again, it could be worse. I mean, we're looking at stuff that's been going on in another one of our AL Central counterparts, Chicago, where they just fired their general manager. They fired the team president. Uh, a lot of people want Jerry Reinsdorf to exit, and he might be doing so in, in time. Uh, so, I, again, it could be a lot worse. You just don't like to see... You know you know that nothing lasts forever, but you know that it's going to have that sort of pit feeling in your stomach when you see a guy like Francona have to have to step away. I mean, he's 64 years old. He's just not, he's, he's not equipped to do this thing for, for the next like four, 30, 40 years. So, you know, it's going to be, the time is running out here and yeah, I, I'm kind of in that vein where a change is going to happen and I'm, and I'm fine with it happening. I just don't know who you're going to go with. The best option you could possibly have right now is a guy who's not going to leave his job, and that's Kevin Cash in Tampa Bay because obviously he has the Cleveland roots, but that team is so miles ahead of Cleveland right now, it's not even funny. So I I don't know why you would. You could remain in-house. I don't know if any of the the coaches we have right now would scream like, oh, we're going to be just fine, but at the same time, we could go outside. If we go outside the organization, then I don't. there's no candidates there that I'm like, oh, we got to go get him. I remember when, in 2012, right after the firing of Maniacta, we saw Terry Francona on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, and we're thinking, oh, what if we, we got him? Maybe that'd be a pipe dream, and then it happens. So when you see that, you're like, wow, that was that's like a perfect match made. We don't really have that this time around, and it's unfortunate to see that uh, be the case. We don't have it as of now. Right. There's going to be firings at the end of the year. Where and who, I don't know. I'm not going to suspect it. I, I mean, not that I'd want him, but you look at someone like Buck Showalter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, is he going to get fired after this horrible season for New York? Is Aaron Boone going to get fired? But Mitch, do you want either of those guys? No. To me, I don't want either I don't. of those guys. I think the Cleveland fan is going to be pounding their chest for Sandy Alamarchi. Right. And I get it because he is a hometown hero. This is a guy that had many great moments as a player in Cleveland. He's obviously stayed loyal to Cleveland being here on Francona's staff. Mm-hmm. Is it DeMarlo Hale? I mean, I, I get being the interim manager when he was doesn't say a whole lot, but at the same time, to me, there was nothing there to say, oh, yeah, I think he could do it. At the same time, he wasn't the full-fledged manager. It wasn't his way, his philosophy. Do they do something as crazy as maybe going to the Columbus Clippers manager, a guy who has coached all these young players we have now, and knows them the best of anybody 
in our organization for the most part outside the front office. That is Andy Tracy, uh, the 49-year-old manager of the club. I mean, what um, what's the Braves' snicker? Brian Snicker, Snicker. he was a minor league manager before uh, he came up and won the World Series. So anything is really possible in that scenario. Um, Yeah, that's probably probably the safest option for us, probably. What do you think of the Mike Napoli talks that people bring? He is the first base coach of the Cubs, but it's a jump from first base coach with, you know, not as much experience to major league manager that quickly. He just stopped playing like five, six years ago. I'm afraid it'd be like a, a Brad Ausmus thing all over again. Not only that, that she still, when you look back to the 2016 season, the team that went to the World Series mm-hmm. that we really didn't think was going to do something like that at the start of the year, you go back and you try to recap things happened off the field of what was the defining moment. How did they get these guys to buy in with each other? It was Mike Napoli always playing cards with Jose Ramirez. Like To me, that'd be Great. I'm yeah. sure Jose is going to sign off on that, but at the same time, are they too close? Are they too personable? Can Jose look to Mike Napoli as his right. as his boss? I mean, that's realistically what it is. I don't hate it, but you also look at some of these other players. Has David Ross had a successful tenure in Chicago as the Cubs head coach? Has he been dealt a tough hand? Yes, but right. You look at all these former players that become head coaches. Alex Cora had some success. Yeah, but. My biggest fear is I don't want a guy who has been with multiple teams, has tried multiple different times, that we're going to bring in here who's been fought, fired multiple times. Do you know what I mean? Like a guy who has no success. Like you look at Bruce Bochy, the Rangers going out and getting him. Yeah. That would be ideal because look what he's done with Texas now. Right. He won, what, two, three World Series three. in San Francisco? Yep. I'd rather have that than going out and getting a guy who's been with three, four different teams and been fired every single time. Although, the more I sit here and think about it, I really like the thought that the guards could stay in-house and go with the AAA manager because yeah. this isn't like other teams. This is a team that has been grown, homegrown for the most part, stayed within the organization, and who's going to know all the young guys that are up here now or that are coming up better than him? Mm-hmm. I, I just think that could be the continuity factors there. It's a He'd have to prove it at the major league level, I'm assuming, to get maybe some free agents here. Because at the same time that some of the free agents we have gotten, they want to come play for Tito. Yeah, People know how much playing for Tito is a blast. Look at Cole Calhoun. Who would have <laughs> thought he'd have the success he's having right now? But <laughs> it's, I love being around these young guys. They make me feel young. And I love playing for Tito. You know, Tito's the best this, does this, does this, treats his players the right way. you got to try to find a guy that can kind of almost keep that part intact for the Guardians, I think. Especially with a young team that you don't know where their head's at. Are some of them going to think like, we played so bad this year. We retired Tito. Like, is that where some of their heads are at? We don't know. Mm. That's something we'll have to find out here whenever this happens. Do you think that Terry Francona is the best manager in Cleveland baseball history? Yes. You think so? Okay. Mike Hargrove, obviously, coached way before us. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of success. You look at the teams Mike Hargrove had. Those names Mike Hargrove had. The issues that we dealt with while Tito was here with some of our big name players, right? Lindor, we knew wasn't going to be here. Trading arm after arm, but never falling because we had another arm ready. Mm-hmm. Also, when he came here, you really didn't know what to expect. I mean, Mitch, the year he came here, we opened the bank, we signed two free agents, we thought this is the year, and made the wild card game, and that was it. Yeah. And, you know, at least for me, being able to see how the players respond, how they talk about Tito, 
is why I would say that. It's probably recency bias. It's probably just where we are in life, being able to watch it. Sure. But at the same time, he got more out of this team than I think anybody else possibly could have, if that makes sense. There's really only three managers you can make, you can lay claim to, maybe four in Cleveland baseball history, because two of them have World Series, and neither one of them are Frank Kona or Mike Hargrove. You had Tris Speaker in 1920, went about seven years here. Lou Boudreaux was 1948. Uh, Hargrove obviously led the, the team of the, well, one of the teams of the 90s. And then, yeah, Ter- Tito did it for about a decade. He w- was always consistent. I don't think, I don't think other than that 2017 run where we had that huge winning streak at the end of the season, I never thought to myself, the Cleveland Indians or Guardians are the best team in baseball, or maybe the second best team in baseball. But, that never stopped us from consistently being in the mix every single year. And therefore, when we had that 2016 run, you got to feel that magic that you felt in those prior years. Like, that was a special, special time. 16 and 17 were probably two of the most fun seasons ever. 17, especially because I think we were the best team in baseball. The way baseball is played, though, the best team doesn't always win. Yeah. And you get too hot. I've experienced it firsthand as a player in high school. You get too hot, you peak too early, and that's what happened when you won 22 games in a row, setting an American League record. I guess if there's any silver lining, we got that for him, right? I mean, 22 wins is insane. Yeah. The World Series would have been better, but he got us our first American League pennant since 97, which was pretty pretty special back in 16 when we went to the World Series. But that 17 team, I think, is always just going to be what if because of how loaded we were, top to bottom, the guys that were – the backups could play well, perform. The rotation was disgusting. The bullpen was disgusting. And then it just didn't happen. But with all the good Tito, there are all the reasons for some concern with him of can't close a series. Look how many series he's had in a row that he can't close out when they're up two to one or three to one. You know, is it him? Is it players not playing as hard? We'll wait and see. But my last thing I'll say on this is the people that want him gone, you're going to get your wish. Yeah. It's a pretty bad wish to have, if, in my opinion, because I don't, I just don't understand the hate and the dis- dislike of Terry Francona as the Cleveland Guardians manager. It's a case of being careful what you might be wishing for. In this case, who knows what's going to become of the future. And it is now time for another installment of Fuel Move Recover, featuring Michele Iono, physical therapist and president of Advancing Athletics. Doc, thank you so much for taking the time to join me again this week. Absolutely, Mitch. So this week, I wanted to really get into the sort of science regarding, uh, obviously, physical athletics, but also the sort of uh, multi-use of athletes uh, between different sports, especially getting into the season now. We're going to have multiple sports throughout the area. We're going to see kids be competing all throughout the county as well as the rest of the state of Ohio. And with that, you might be see some instances where I've seen this in the past, uh, kids who participate in uh, multiple sports around the same time, whether it be for different seasons or even ones involving this year. Like you might have a kid playing football who might, might also go out for soccer, might be playing golf and football or vice versa. One of the two, either way, I wanted to get your take on this because it is a very interesting sort of discussion regarding uh, should kids be specializing in one certain thing or should they be trying to broaden their horizons and uh, participate in multiple things in order to get themselves fully fleshed out as athletes what is your take on that well i think mitch this is really a multifaceted topic like i guess um, many of the things are that we discuss on my segment the biggest thing 
I think it's important to separate out, you know, specialization um, within the year versus specialization maybe within a season. So the specialization that we talk about, especially when it comes to like baseball, that's a really common one, um, more so refers to the fact that when you play a sport, you need to give your body a certain amount of rest so that it can kind of like be rebuilt, you know, um, the grind of a season, lots of practice, um, repetitive movements, these things all add up to either increase injury risk or even decrease performance just because you're getting tired at the end of the, at the end of the season, whatever season we're talking about. So of course, the first thing we always, um, uh, Myself, as a doctor of physical therapy, you know, the thing that we always think about is injury risk. So the specialization within the year, we really advocate against, and there's a lot of pretty strong uh, research supporting that, as well as when you play multiple sports, it gives you an opportunity to develop skills that then can transfer to, let's, your primary sport. And that's why we hear about uh, kids in college athletics or at uh, men, uh, men and women at the professional ranks and how they played so many different sports and how that benefited them. Well, as much as that is a um, advantage to athletes, it is also a disadvantage, generally speaking, to play multiple sports in the same season itself. And the that first topic is always injury risk. You know, the best availability is of a best ability is availability. So, um, the, the sports, there's no two sports that you can combine that are going to not increase your injury risk just from the nature of competing, trying your hardest. And of course the practice that goes along with it. And that would be the primary or first thought uh, that we would want parents and athletes to consider is, is this worth playing both sports? Is it worth not committing to one sport in that season um, with the associated injury risk that can come with having that much more exposure, so to speak, to possible injuries, even not just contact, just repeating movements over and over again, while your teammates from soccer are resting you're doing football practice or vice versa, for example. I see. And, you know, with sort of system like this, you know, obviously you want to make sure that kids are still remaining safe. You want to make sure that they're uh, staying uh, in a good place when they're specializing in these different types of athletics. I mean, you talked about this with me before the second row, ad getting adapted to these certain athletics and how difficult it might be if you're playing two different things at the same time. Can you go into further detail for the audience? Yeah, I mean... You know, we're not, you know, there's only one Deion Sanders, you know, or Bo Jackson. So the reason why those names, and well, not only are they just like generational talents, but the reason why they are so, um, what's the right word, uh, prominent is because there are so few of them. There are so few individuals that are so good at multiple sports that they are able to compete at um, a an elite level at at those multiple sports, especially within um, well, I guess that's amplified to 
sports that are done in the same year. So most of most people are just not that incredible. And on top of that, how are you going to get incredible at a sport if you're having to divide your time between multiple sports? Uh, like again, during the year, all uh, sorry, during the season. This is, of course, um, everything that I say is uh, relative to playing multiple sports in the same season. So you know the the opportunity to be able to uh, dedicate enough time to get good at that particular at one particular sport is going to be hindered by the fact that you're playing another sport. If for no other reason, other than you're just going to be more tired when you go to, again, let's use soccer and football, uh, since you mentioned them before. So uh, I really like soccer, but I'm also playing football. And so how am I going to really practice hard for soccer if I'm also practicing for football? Okay, maybe you're just the kicker, and then that's, but that's a different, again, there's not very many of those, and there's only, you know, one kicker on the team, on the varsity team, and maybe, you know, the football coach will bring in two or three soccer players. So beyond that, how about everybody else? You know, so you, then you would be playing positions or maybe soccer and cross country. Well, now all of a sudden, are you running? Is your effort reserved for cross country practice? Or do you go all, all out there in soccer and then just do your best during cross country? So again, you're having to make these decisions before you get to even see what your capacity is. And then again, how are you going to develop those skills if you're either limited in time, energy, or, you know, maybe you did get beat up from the other sport. So you're, you have to remember that we're mostly talking about high school kids. That's what our, you know, where our kind of focus is, you know, and it's just so difficult in order to find that balance uh, potentially because it doesn't exist because there's only one Bo Jackson and one Deion Sanders in a small collection of, of other individuals who are even capable of competing, you know, at the top of either of those sports. Well, alongside the sort of physical aspects of this sort of topic, we also want to get into the sort of, uh, uh, mental uh, capacities of this as well. I mean, we kind of talked about this before, but how would a practice such as this kind of have an impact on uh, a student athlete's potential life outside the sport, whether it be through their own uh, school coursework or maybe just their life outside of the, uh, the activities that they go through after the bell rings. That again, man, it's, it's so uh, prescient because you're, ability to get everything done in life, even when we talk about things outside of the sport, is just so limited. Because again, are you not going to practice of one of the sports? Or what is, you know, there's this concept of opportunity cost, meaning by me choosing to do one thing, I'm therefore deciding not to do another thing. So if I decide to go to the weight room, for example, I'm in high school and I have homework and I have a big test and I'm not doing well in a class or I'm not confident in the um, the material. Well, we I could either go to the weight room after I get done with practice or I could go home and study. You can't do both. You know, okay, maybe you can bring some flashcards and stuff like that, you know, but the point is, is, is opportunity cost defines that there's a set amount of time that we have in the day. So the the final component of playing multiple sports in a season 
is just that quality of life aspect because you have to go to school, you have to sleep. You know, we want you to have social time with friends. You have chores to do at home. And, you know, you're being pulled by now two different sports and the coaches because it's like, you know, both coaches are going to say, you know, that my sport or their individual sport is the priority. What coach would be like, nah, don't come to practice today. It's all right. I know, I know you're doing both sports. So, you know, just go ahead and skip today, even though everybody else is here and grinding and sacrificing and trying to be their best. You know, we know that you're, you know, also playing soccer. So you get a pass, you know, so that's so. And then the, the soccer coach is saying the same thing. It's like, now, you know, you shouldn't be missing practice. You better not be missing practice. It's okay to go to your cross country practice or your uh, meets, but you better make sure that you're playing. And then the coaches, just because of how human minds work, you know, I might start, they might start to question, you know, is it too much? Is it, is it the fact that he maybe likes that other sport more? And so you put yourself, the athlete puts themselves in a tough situation, um, trying to be two things at once. And so just the toll, not only physically, as we talked about, that'll prevent you from really achieving excellence in either. Also, there's the stress of like, how do I manage these expectations from these two um, teams? And of course, teammates, you know, it's like, hey man, like we're out here grinding and working our tails off. Where are you? You know? So it's, there's so many dynamics that you know, I think athletes need to do. We are advocates for the athletes, for the families and the parents. So you need to do what's best for you. But rarely, I think, is there a situation where um, the best thing is to divide your time like that. Um, and then the final thing, you know, is just for those of you that are hearing this and are playing in multiple sports yourself or are the parents or friends of of such individuals you know, it's, is this for fun or do you want to actually get good at this stuff? Um, because that's the final piece that you need to consider because if it's for fun, then maybe you can kind of like let some of this roll off your shoulder or, you know, maybe you're in band and then you play a sport also. Okay. Maybe there's some balance there. And it's like, I like to do both. It's okay if I'm not great at both, but you know, you still have to deal with all those other things and the quality of life aspects, so to speak, that are going to play into this. Well, Doug, I ask you again this week, where can those who may be seeking a service such as yours at Advancing Athletics be able to find and contact you? Anyone that has either comments or questions about what we discussed today, you can find me on social media at Michele Iono. You can follow us, uh, Advancing Athletics, Facebook and Instagram, and feel free to shoot me an email, recover at advancingathletics.com. Once again, Michaela Iono, physical therapist and president of Advancing Athletics. We thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, Mitch. Have a great week. Thank you. As well, you as well. And back to the show. Vive Auto Sales, located on West High Avenue in New Philadelphia and Cleveland Avenue in Canton, is a used car dealership committed to getting financing for everyone. We give every customer that walks in our showrooms a prime buying experience, no matter their credit score or financial situation. Current inventory can be viewed at www.wefinancenow.com. 
Check out our Facebook pages for the most up-to-date information about upcoming events and promotions happening at Vive Auto Sales. Are you trying to increase your speed, quickness, vertical leap, and agility? If so, NST Sports Performance is for you. NST trains athletes ages 5 through pro. NST designs each program specific to the athlete's needs, goals, and sports. For more, visit nstsports.com. Locations in North Canton and New Philadelphia. It's nstsports.com. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world, get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. Have you checked in on someone yet today? This is your reminder, a simple text, call, or message. You don't have to be a professional to check in. You just have to ask and listen. Are you someone who could use a check-in? Dial 988, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, a message from Stark County Mental Health and Addiction Recovery. All right, going over to football stuff now. I don't know where to start with this. We can start with the Browns. We can start with Baker. We can start with wherever you... We could go even go outside of those two, really. It depends on what, what you desire Mitchell Bala Browns and Baker Browns and Baker okay so I mean well the Browns aren't Baker aren't together anymore but we do have right. some yeah right uh he just woke up from a, a, a long year a few years nap um but we did we do have see some of the things over the last couple of days Browns play the Chiefs this weekend for their final preseason game we're gonna see I'd say we see probably see more of the starters tonight uh that game than we have in the, in the one just to get them tuned up before week one against Cincinnati um, I don't really have much to say on it. I know that we're just going to come out and play 
a lot of the guys are going to be playing for those final roster spots. I mean, you're going to have uh, Diakite fighting for a spot, Austin Watkins fighting for a spot. We can talk about the trade that was made yesterday uh, alongside a fire sale right now in Arizona where everybody but Kyler Murray is on the trade block. They sent Isaiah Simmons to the Giants. They sent another guy to uh, uh, Houston. And, you know, it's essentially they're playing for Caleb Williams now. That's what they're doing. What I found interesting was that at first we had heard that Kellen Mond was going to be one of the cuts for the Browns, which made sense because he really feels like QB4 right now in Cleveland. It's like Deshaun Watson's number one. You ask any Cleveland fan emotionally, it's DTR, Thompson Robinson. But in all honesty, it was probably Josh Dobbs based on experience. But the Browns didn't think so because after we saw that initial report, we saw them make the move to send uh, Josh Dobbs to Arizona for a fifth-round pick. Which at first I'm like, what are we doing? That, that doesn't make any sense here because we're trading a guy that like, we're really banking on a rookie as your backup. I mean, I, this is with, uh, with us assuming that Watson's going to remain healthy and consistently better than he was last year. That being said, uh, I was surprised when they make that move, but I'm thinking, you know what? They're probably getting as much value as they can out of Dobbs right now to get a considerable pick from Arizona if Arizona's shopping this much right before the start of the season. So I'm fine with it. I have a little bit of hesitation about making a rookie uh, your backup, but again, this, this is a backup. We're not talking about a starting job by by any measure so far. I can already hear it now. I can already hear the DTR chants going throughout First Energy Stadium <laughs> after a couple bad series. Brown Browns, Stadium. They changed it, Brown, right? I'm sorry, yeah. Brown Stadium. Should be Tim Misney making pay field, but that's here <laughs> You wonder if this is a move the Browns make to let's remember where DTR was drafted fifth round at a UCLA. Mm-hmm. This is a quarterback that at a high school was a solid recruit. What goes to UCLA played there with Felton for a couple of years. Who's on the Browns now played with Cedric Tillman at high school at Bishop Gorman in uh, Nevada. What we've seen from him so far this preseason, Mitch has been nothing short of amazing because of the success he's been able to have because of how comfortable he looks and because of how electric he is. I mean, us Browns fans have been miserable for years. Yes, we're going to get excited when a quarterback throws a blindside block. Yes, we're going to get excited when a quarterback takes off and run, runs. Fifth round pick, your contract's, what, four years? Is this something already that the Browns are thinking ahead to? Not only to keep the offense as similar as it can be to Watson, if he goes down for DTR to slide in maybe a little bit, easier because he can use his leg more efficiently than Dobbs, but almost reward him for his hard work already to say, Hey, you're going to be the guy here. Once Watson's done, you know, we'll make you QB two now. Don't get wandering eyes. You know, we're, we're going to take care of you. Is this something the front office is already doing? Getting a fifth and seventh for Dobbs. I'll take it all day. I'm more upset. The fact that Kellamon's quarterback three. Now, hopefully we never have to go down that road, <laughs> but is there something bigger going on? Because let's not completely just blow over the fact that Miles Garrett restructured his contract. Mm-hmm. David Njoku restructured his contract. This is after Batonio restructured his contract. This is a team that, oh, the Browns are screwed. They gave Watson all this money. They're going to have no cap space. Um, As we record right now, the Browns have over $35 million in cap space, which is by far the most in the NFL. They signed Dobbs to a contract in the offseason that was, now, granted, it's not a lot of money, but still any money you can get off the books is money off the books. 
it could very easily be Jimmy Haslam telling Andrew Barry, I don't want to pay all that money this year. Kick it back another year. Or is it the Browns looking to make a big move that we don't see coming? Because even getting that money off the books in Dobbs and having DTR as a fifth-round pick with that money as a rookie can make a difference, can allow you to go sign one big player or acquire a big player or sign a number of good players. I just wonder, especially when you realize who our general manager is and how crafty he can get with the cap and how the moves he's made before, is this team in talks with somebody else to acquire a player or do they know something we don't know about guys that are potentially going to get cut they're going to try to bring in? Because Haslam is a billionaire with a B. Yes, he could very well not want to pay all that money this year. But when Andrew Barry does something, it's for a reason. And so I just wonder, is there somebody out there that we're not thinking of, that we're not talking about, that we're not looking at, that the Browns could try out, try to go trade for? Or are the Browns going to wait and maybe go sign a number of guys that get cut from their team, Mitch? Like the Eagles, for instance, who have four or five name running backs. They're not going to keep them all. We know where the Browns are at in the running back room right now with Chubb and then Felton because Jerome Ford's out. I'm really curious as to see if the Browns are going to go sign somebody or trade for somebody. I think that there's a real good possibility they will. So if they have, if they make a trade for somebody, what position do they have to focus on to justify this sort of sudden, sudden movement? I still think that with the defense Schwartz wants to play, I wouldn't be shocked if it's a defensive end. We have good defensive ends now, but mm-hmm. still thin. We know he'll go 3-4 if he has to, or are they going to trade for a linebacker, which could be tough because now you've had a linebacker probably playing a different scheme. Whether he's the signal caller or not, now he has to come over here learn a brand-new playbook, which is why I've continued to say it could very well be Jimmy Haslam saying, I don't want to pay all that money this year. Like, let's, let's kick that down the road. Offensively, I don't see anywhere they need to trade for anybody. Dewad Jones is ready to slide right in wherever it is. If it's Conklin going down with an injury or Jed Wills regressing more, uh, the other offensive line we have from Cincinnati, can't remember his name, name is escaping me right now. Dewan Jones? Or no, that's our high state, sorry, yeah. Uh, 66. Uh, I'll get it here in a sec. You'll, you'll say it here. Um, it's got to be something on the defense side of the ball. I mean, I think you and I can agree our secondary is pretty much intact, so... I don't know. There's And this is what's hard is there's all these rumors out there that people just one person on Twitter says one thing. It's like, oh, my gosh, the Browns are going after this guy. It's There's that Aaron Donald's unhappy in L.A. Right. Is that a guy the Browns go after? Which I don't think the Rams no. trade him. But it's fun to be able to think about for a little bit. Right. James Hudson is about the way. James Hudson. Yeah. That's, that's the other one. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. I always just think anytime you see the cap being manipulated and Andrew Barry's in the front office for the Cleveland Browns, Nine times out of ten, there's something going on. Fifth round picks are a weird thing for Barry. I mean, it's it's by coincidence, of course, but he trades a fifth round pick to get Amari Cooper from Dallas. He trades two picks to Minnesota to get Zadarius Smith, and he just got a pick back there for uh, for Josh Dobbs. Which I mean, I know that Josh is going to be fighting for a starting spot this year, which is a very unusual situation with Kyler Murray probably being out the entire year with an ACL tear. So it's down to him and Colt McCoy and third quarterback um I, I mean that's that's a that's a precarious situation out in Arizona right now and I don't know that's I mean again it's it's like what 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 QB battles 
I mean, I guess this QB battle is over. What QB battle do you think was more nightmare-inducing if you're an offensive coordinator or the coach? Arizona or what what was going on in Tampa Bay prior to like four three days ago? What was going on in Tampa Bay? Because yeah. in Arizona, you knew the guy that was starting this year isn't supposed to be your starting quarterback because your starting quarterback is out hmm. in Kyler Murray. Yeah. And also, you probably know that you have to do your job to a degree, but at the same time, there's probably talks behind the scenes that eh, we might not want to win more than two games hmm. because we want Caleb Williams, the quarterback out of USC, yep. which multiple teams. I mean, to me, it's a two-team race. It's going to be between Arizona and then probably Atlanta after that, hmm. maybe. I think that's why Ritter, they, they have to start Ritter this year. Yeah. Trust me, I think this that's a team that if Ritter does well, then they'll, they'll win. They'll yeah. do whatever they have to do. Because after that, I don't see many teams out there that, I mean, the Texans aren't going to be good, but they're not going after a quarterback. The no. Panthers aren't going after a quarterback. The Colts are set. The Packers, like, I don't know what's Jordan Love. I mean, you hear rumblings every day. Oh, he looked terrible. Oh, he's it's going to be a fine replacement for Rodgers. Just like yeah. AFC North quarterback, good. AFC West, maybe the Raiders. Garoppolo's out there now. But yeah, after depends, that, yeah. I mean, the Dolphins would be the next team, and that's only if Tua gets hurt. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's what I mean. Like, to be the offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay, though, what a headache. <laughs> and what a circus that had to have been with Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask. And with all due respect to Baker, this guy we were cheering for this guy 18 months ago. Is that what it was? With all due respect, what did Kyle Trask have to do wrong for this to be the case? And, and, and you and I talked about this. If Baker plays well enough this year, he's probably... The, the, I said the peak of his season this year is potential comeback player of the year candidate. I can't see anything beyond that. But like I don't know I don't know what's going to make become of this Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's it's such a it's such a weird thing that I can't predict. He has two really good wide receivers. He does. That both have personalities. One more so than the other, mm-hmm. I'd say, even though they're not as loud as the personalities that Baker had here in Cleveland. Solid running back, Rashad White. But he's also replacing one of, if not the greatest quarterback of all time, in Tom Brady. What did Kyle Trask have to do, Mitch, might not actually be what did Kyle Trask have to do to not get the job. It's where is he not yet? Because of who they just watched play quarterback for the last three years. Not the same big Tom Brady, please understand that right now to all the listeners and viewers. <laughs> Handed him his rings in that in that NFL commercial. So best commercials of all time. I also did think that that was just the passing the torch and the script was leaked and the Browns were going to be great and Baker's going to win a Super that, Bowl. That's what the commercial was this year, the script leaking, or the script uh, doctoring. Go ahead, yeah. When you get to see Tom Brady, Baker has been in the league. He's now been with, this is his fourth team, from the Browns to Carolina to the Rams. He's been in the league longer than Trask. He's had more success in the NFL than Trask. He probably is able to do the smaller things better in which you can see the gap between Baker and Brady is smaller than Brady and Trask. I partially wonder if that's one of the reasons. They also did go out and sign Baker, so it's more of a let's see if it's worth anything. Let's see. To me, this is it, though. This is Baker Mayfield's last yeah. chance. I don't see any way he flames out here in Tampa Bay that he gets another opportunity. No. Nor would he accept being a full-time backup quarterback probably for any team. I think Baker would be great. If he ever goes down the television route, if he does like college game day or hosts something, you know, 
that aspect. He might be a great color commentator. I don't know. I do think, though, it says less about what did Kyle Trask do that lost him the job just because of the experience in the NFL already and going from Tom Brady to Kyle Trask. Do you, do you want to go through that as a head coach? Do you want your fans to go through that as an organization if it's going to be a significant drop-off to where maybe it's not as significant from Brady to Baker? I, I think that's kind of where it more so lies. You and I both said it, though. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rashad White. He's got a pretty good offense around him. It's a defense that's been pretty solid. Baker could go out and thrive. If he doesn't, it's going to be by week five, I think you said before we started recording. Yeah. Kyle Trask will be the starting quarterback in Tampa, and Baker Mayfield will probably be out of football after the season, which would be quite the fall from grace after where he started back in 2018. 18. Yep. Yeah. I was going to say, I was, I was uh, where we kind of stopped at the same time. Uh, yeah, I'll cut into that. I'm going to re- check this real quick, see if it's still recording. Is it not even on? Have you checked in on someone yet today? This is your reminder, a simple text, call, or message. You don't have to be a professional to check in. You just have to ask and listen. Are you someone who could use a check-in? Dial 988, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, a message from Stark County Mental Health and Addiction Recovery. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. (gasps) Or a Frosty without the fries. (gasps) Or a hamburger without the fresh beef. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. Alt Care. Alt Care, Alt Care. Where you matter. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, 
We're here to protect your future as well. Call Ben Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. Happy Sardiversary with Sarda Rider Anthony. We're celebrating 25 years with our valued riders. And I absolutely enjoy riding the buses. I get to know a few of the drivers, very respectful, very professional, just an all around about good experience. It helps people get to where they're going, disabled, veterans, or people going to work. Thanks to all our riders as we celebrate Sarda 2-5 at Sarda. You need to remodel your bath? You need JR Bath Company. Trust in the quality of JR Bath. It's fast, it's safe, and it's affordable. Call today at 1-800-664-2284 or go to jrbath.com. All right, so our final segment here, we wanted to go over uh, something that we were watching uh, from the last couple of days this past week. We did the untold uh, Johnny Football uh, story review last week where you and I kind of kind of came to the same conclusion. It's fine. Just kind of doesn't really delve into any of the juiciest, uh, what, what, what we would consider to be like the hard-hitting, like never-before-revealed stuff that we would think about when we thought about the Giant Menzel era. We did the same this week. Netflix put out another Untold, and this one was one that I was very excited for. One about the late 2000s, early 2010s-ish Florida Gators, Swamp Kings. This was like, you think about those Florida Gators teams back then, under then head, uh, head coach Urban Meyer, where you had a two-time Heisman winner in Tim Tebow, and then a complete party around him. You had guys like Cam Newton, Aaron Hernandez. You had all these different sorts of names, the Pounceys and all that. You thought to yourself, like, how crazy was it that this or, this uh, program was winning national championships and doing all this crazy stuff? And it was a four-part episode, uh, a series, which I didn't realize uh, up until about a couple of days ago. I thought it was just going to be like a one-off thing like the Manziel thing was. And you watch it. And I don't think it reaches even the heights that the Manziel documentary did. And I can't believe I'm saying that. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Yeah, I was disappointed. I was. I I don't know if we had this pre-nacived connotation as expecting them to go into more of the off-field drama. Yeah. Because we did see the Aaron Hernandez documentary put out in 2020, I think. Yeah, which also wasn't. I mean that that one was that took a weird angle more right. so than it just like left stuff out. I think we wanted to see a lot of how did Urban deal with the personalities? How did you know? Did Tim Tebow deal with the personalities? When in reality, it looked like on the football field, it didn't matter. They came together, they played football, and they were a damn good football team for a number of years. I mean they. Shellac. I mean, episode two, spoiler alert, which if you're any sort of college football fan, this isn't really spoiling, but episode two is hard to watch because it was the national championship game against Ohio State. For us, yes. Yeah, for all the Florida fans, he, I'm sure it was awesome. I mean, you look back at that, I still remember all the hype Ohio State had. Yeah. I mean, you have the Heisman Trophy winner. Ted Ginn returns the opening kick for a touchdown. You think it, it's it's over. This This is just like every single... News article out there, every single paper, magazine, uh, media outlet. Ohio State's going to win this game by a lot. Yeah, they beat Michigan. They did it. They did it. And it was the opposite. And it was like after that, then you saw where the health concerns started to go with Urban Meyer. That, to me, wasn't anything new. We knew that. Yeah. We knew that being Ohio State fans because he is an Ohio-born and raised guy. Then he retires in Florida, comes to Ohio State. We knew he had health concerns. 
I just, I, I, I felt the need for wanting something more. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, wait, where's this at? Where, where's it at? Like, cool. You talked about it a little bit, guys getting, you know, suspended or mm-hmm. kicked off the team in legal trouble. You find out they bring in an attorney just for the team to get these guys off all the legal trouble they were in. You can't get more Aaron Hernandez, you know, unfortunately, since he is, you know, deceased. But it's like, where where was Riley Cooper? That's another name, Mitch, that played there. I mean, Percy Harvin, he was the first player I can remember in college football that almost had a position named after him, which was the PH. Right. Right? He was electric. Tim Tebow was sensational. I still remember being worried sick the second time he went to New York for the Heisen Trophy presentation. I'm like, no, no, Archie Griffin can only be the – Player to only win it twice. Tim Tebow cannot win. In no way, shape, or form can Tim Tebow win this one. And he didn't. I just, it, it was good. Gave you something to watch. It was, but it left me wanting more. It wanted, it, I wanted to see more. I wanted to know more. You got to know a little bit more about Urban Meyer's coaching and also the health concerns. You know, I mean, my gosh, he was addicted to Ambien. Yeah. Right? He was saying he was popping too and, and drinking alcohol, which obviously you're not supposed to drink alcohol with you know, any medication yeah. to begin with. He couldn't sleep, and then we knew how competitive he was, but then right. we really got to see see how competitive he was, knowing that they won, and he went to his office right away and texted recruits after winning the national championship, trying to get them there, because it was like, all right, next year we got to win it now, we got to do it again. It, it let you in on some things. I don't think anybody learned anything new about Tim Tebow. No, I mean, and that's one of the things too. I think that because they wanted to get access to a guy like Tebow and a guy like Urban, you had to. You had to work around some of the the gar- the, the, the baggage mm-hmm. when it came to this program. I mean, there was so much stuff that they didn't even mention. You mentioned the, the 2006 Gators team that beat Ohio State. Didn't mention the quarterback. That was not Tebow. It was Chris Leak. And, and didn't mention Hernandez. Didn't mention Cam Newton. Didn't mention uh, a bunch of other things here. And granted, a lot of this stuff is based on... I, I think some of these omissions were just based on things that might have happened post uh, Swamp Kings era. That's like, oh, we, maybe we not we don't want to delve into that, but it just feels weird to not to not tell the whole story in this way. As far as the accusations go, that I saw some people people saying that this was just a puff piece for Urban Meyer to get uh, back into good graces again. I don't think it's as definite as people are making. I, I, I saw a few tweets before I went and watched this, where it's like, don't waste your time on the documentary. This is just a puff piece for Urban Meyer. Da, 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 da. I'm like. Okay, maybe, but I don't think it's it's so blatant that I find it offensive, and I, and maybe that's the Ohio State fan in me talking because, but I don't even see that. I I we processed, we saw what happened in Jacksonville. The guys got some issues. We get it, but I I didn't think of that as like, oh, Urban compromised this entire uh this entire documentary process. No, not at all. I mean, you I we got to learn a little bit more about it, right? We knew how competitive he was, yeah. but we didn't. I didn't understand how competitive he was until you saw some of the things he implemented at Florida with the whole, what do you want to call it, wrestling or fighting the guys who mm-hmm. were doing the mats every day. Um, you know, why he was like that. I mean, being wired in the military type, you know, background, his dad serving, his sister serving, you know, having that wired in him. And then you also got to see where it came from when he came to Ohio State. But... I don't think that's what it was, was for Urban Meyer to get back in good graces. He's a phenomenal college football coach. Yeah. Not, he was not an NFL coach. How many other college football coaches have had great college careers and then gone to the NFL and had great head coaching tenures? Not, not many. Two or three, maybe. Yeah. 
typically they all fizzle out or they have one really good year. Yeah. Chip Kelly. Yeah. And fizzled out with Philly. I just, uh, I wish there would have been more behind the scenes stuff we got to see. And maybe it's because we've had documentaries and specials put out on certain players like The Last Dance, like uh, other documentaries and specials where we get more behind the scenes mm-hmm. footage that made us lead in that. But I think the way this went about being produced, the way they branded it to push it out there had all of us excited because it came after the Aaron Hernandez documentary. It came after news about other Florida players. You know, we saw the decline of Cam Newton. Obviously, we I know he's an Auburn right. grad and everything, but he was at Florida. People yeah. didn't forget that he was at Florida. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, the personalities. I want to know how Urban dealt with it. They didn't go into a whole lot of detail because I know it's more than just, hey, Tim, you're, you're my guy on offense. I need you to get the offense. Guy. Hey, Brandon Spikes. Right. I need you to be a leader. And then him being, I'm not mature enough. You know, I don't want to do that. And then he does it. I just, I, I wanted more. And it's, it was still good though. Like if you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend going to watch it because I yeah. still think you learn a few new things that you didn't know yet, but you're not going to learn a whole lot. Right. If you're a Florida fan, you'll probably you'll probably be the most the one to most enjoy something like this. And if you're a college football fan in general outside of Florida, you might get some, pick up something from it. But you're 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 not gonna have to flock to see something like this. And as far as the Last Dance goes, I did see some people saying that that documentary has has caused a ripple effect for a lot of uh, sports centric filmmaking and documentaries to where they're they they're they're kind of blaming that for. And I kind of push back on this too. They're blaming it for this sort of wave of PR kind of pushed uh, stories about like these certain teams that may not have been as worthy of a story like the last dance of the, the 90 Chicago Bulls were, or like, like there was some, there was a report where like Jerry Jones is commissioning like a 10 part series on the Dallas Cowboys teams of the nineties. And it's like, yeah, I guess you could maybe make a story about that, but it doesn't need, need that many parts. And I don't think they're going to, they're not going to like tell you what you don't already know with that team. We know that that team was successful. We know that that team had some personalities on there, but it feels very surface level. And I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where I don't blame the last dance for that. I think it's just more so people are trying to emulate it and they're not doing the X, Y, and Z what uh, was needed to be done to make the last dance as successful as it was. You can't tell me you didn't have the technology or cameras to do it. I mean, the, the film that you saw with the Florida Gators in the locker rooms, it's also, right. to me, at, at times it was just like, yeah, maybe I am naive, maybe because I didn't play you know college football or professional football. Mm-hmm. In fact, cameras always, were always recording at halftimes of those games, the one where the offense and defense were at each other's throats, spikes with Tebow, which is, and they have Urban Meyer and the coaches breaking that up and everything. It's just like, yeah, why are there cameras rolling in there? Like, is it like that everywhere? Like, that's, that, that, that's, if, if I took anything away, it's like, Wait, so Michael Jordan always had a camera crew yeah. with him in certain aspects. You know? I, well, it was just for that one year. Right, for that one year. But then you look at this. I mean, this is all and, four years of Florida. Yeah, like, and that was that was even. I think that was even before the era of like a lot of college programs having media um, programs to like take video of the team, make yeah. highlights, take photos, follow them around, and it's very fascinating. I, I was I was really that was something. I'm, that's the perspective. I'm like, oh, I didn't think about that when I was watching this. And we know it's going to be different now with any documentaries they make of right. things that have taken place in the last five to ten years. I mean, we all assume LeBron's going to have something put out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? We know there's people filming at pretty much any point in his life for whatever 
outlet media, whatever it is that covers him, you know, that's has the access to him like they did with Jordan. Mm-hmm. But to me, it was just like, wait, this is halftime of the national championship game against Oklahoma. They got cameras rolling in the, in mm-hmm. the locker room. They got Urban Meyer giving speeches at halftime. They got Tim Tebow yeah. walking up and, and getting everybody's face, promising he's going to score in the first drive out of the locker room. It's like, this is 2007, yeah. 2008, 2009. Yep. Like, what the? I never even thought about that, which to me, that's pretty cool because now it potentially opens the door to other things that we really weren't thinking about. But all in all, it was a good documentary. I was very disappointed, though. I really was. I think the thing that I'm going to bring up next is something that you're going to be less disappointed on. And this is based on you having not seen it yet, but it did come out either yesterday or the day before on HBO Max, or Max is what they're calling it now, which is whatever. Um, BS High. I watched it last night. I was kind of on a whim, too, because I kind of realized, oh, crap, I got to watch it because... This is based on the Bishop Sycamore story from that happened last year, right in our backyard. I got, I still like, I'm in shock that that story happened so close to us, happened so suddenly from the broadcast we saw of IMG Academy versus them that uh, it's really fascinating. So I'll kind of get through this quick because we got to get out of here. I took about five pages of notes just reading, watching this whole thing last night. Goes into a lot of the what you would expect. A lot of the players getting some talk in there. The coaching staff, obviously, where we meet Roy Johnson. This man is a real life supervillain. I am not mincing words when I say that. The man might be certifiably insane. Some of the things he was doing and getting this whole program together, which we kind of learned last year, was look, we we us kind of having experience in high school sports in Ohio and especially in football, we understand. And the the point this was made at the end of the documentary is that like schools like this exist more than we probably know or acknowledge because the, of the whole sort of monetary system that can be built by programs like this, especially like privatized specialized football centric schools um, that stuff like this can happen. But then they use the comparison of IMG Academy, who they played, and Bishop Sycamore. IMG Academy is football-focused, but they have the kids go to school. They have them go through this entire program, trying to build them up as men, trying to build them up as players, and they do it right. Bishop Sycamore, uh, if it was like a 12-step program, they X'd out steps 2, 3, 4, 5, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11, and went right to 12. And you saw the results of what happened there. It's still kind of unbelievable, some of the details that they... Uh, show in that entire documentary. The ones we saw last year, obviously, was like, oh, they were staying in, like, random hotels and apartments for, like, three months at a time. They had to go and get their own food. They weren't, like, going to class, obviously. But it gets even, like, it kind of gets even more insane than that. And I'm trying to go through all the things here. I mean, they were kind of going over the stuff they were going through last night. And Coach Johnson just does it with, like, a creepy-ass smile on his face. It's so weird. He, he... He brings up a ton of references at times. He references the A-Team, Hannibal Lecter, X-Men, Suge Knight, DJ Khaled. DJ Khaled, the DJ Khaled one right at the end is insane. The All I Do Is Win song. You would not believe it when you see that clip circling on Twitter here in a couple days. Um, Just some of the things that they were going through. And and to be fair, when we saw this happen last year, it was funny. Like, it was hilarious seeing the... I forgot how much, how hilarious the ESPN broadcast was of this game. How the announcers are being like... This is they were essentially saying this is pathetic. This is crazy, and but when you but when they kind of brought you back to the whole situation, 
I didn't think I was going to get as infuriated as I was at a couple of moments here where some of the, some of the neglect that was brewing throughout this entire program, how much of an effect it was having onto the kids where they had to go get their own food, which means they had to steal sometimes because they had no money where they had to essentially sleep in some weird conditions and put together some practices and, and like game conditions where like no no person should ever be going through this let alone these 15, 16 17 18 year olds and even the even the early 20 somethings that were masquerading as high school players it, it's 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 kind of it was like really frustrating at times to get through cuz it's just sort of like like how could this have gone on for as long as it did I haven't got to watch it yet yeah. that's on the bucket list of items for right. me to do this weekend yes Thinking back to it all unfolding here, I mean, literally, not even seven minutes down the road. <laughs> Where we'll be at tonight. I feel like it blew up so fast and then also went away so fast. I, I feel like it got all the attention mm-hmm. and then it just was gone. Now, it very well could have been because everything was nixed and shut down you know, this, all, yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. I'm very excited because I've heard a lot of people say about Coach Johnson, mm-hmm. you know, He's a shady man. Yeah. You know, you're not the first person I've seen on talk to or have seen on Twitter saying right. the things that, you know, you become infuriated. I mean, I, I'm venturing to guess I'll become infuriated because mm-hmm. he took advantage of kids. Oh, right? yeah. Like kids. We're not talking about just 21, 22 year old seniors in college. We're talking some about some of them were, but yeah, but a lot right. of them were up and coming. They were promised certain things they didn't get. I, I still remember last year they said there was times they practiced in parking lots. Like, come on. Come on. On. What did I write here? Yeah, it's um, yeah, I'm I'm going through all the sort of things here. They had no graduates between three years of their program, 2019 to 2021. Uh, they were they were considered a like they considered themselves a hybrid high school and college team, which is obviously not a thing. There was one part of the documentary. I'm trying not to spoil it for you as much as I can. Where he's like, what was it? it was based on the age thing that you mentioned, and he's like. Uh, there's no rule that says like you have to be this this amount of age to play in the OHSA, and they literally have a shot of the OHSA handbook just dropping on a table, being like, "Here you go. That's the that's the ruling." And yeah, it, it, it goes some of the, the monetary things that he does to those kids is like, oh, like how could you possibly do this to a person? The last half hour gets so insane with him that it, it, you almost don't process him as a real human being. This is not a real human being. This is not how a person thinks. But this person does. Coach Johnson, I mean, it's it's, it's a shame because towards the beginning, it's, it's a little funny the way he's kind of, uh, he's so delusional that it, it kind of becomes comical to where he's kind of just, he's talking out of both ends of his mouth and it's just unbelievable the way he goes about it. And I'm kind of like going through all the, the things here. But then, yeah, once he gets towards the second half, it's sort of like this unfolds. I, I think it would have gone faster, like you mentioned, if the game had just been, okay, this team played the worst football game we've seen on ESPN before, and that was it. But it's because the school got outed as a fake school, and it's because of the state investigation, it's because of all the clowning and this, that, that it still it still affects these kids to this day. There's a there's a there's a point involving the quarterback for the Sycamore team that uh, gets you like kind of happy at one point, and then they pull out the rug from under you, and it's the most heartbreaking thing, and it makes you even more angry. I'm not going to get into what happens, but there's just one point where I'm like, I was like, oh man, it's really good. What? I couldn't, I, I couldn't believe that. And I'm trying to like, 
a lot of these notes, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie, are out of context right now because I'm trying to go through all the points that I wrote. I, I, like I wrote stuff here, like bro used non-profit checks in all caps. Uh, what do we got here? Uh, bro is a supervillain. Three exclamation points. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 something, guys. And this is where. You know, Netflix is going to get a lot of flag because they're the obviously the number one streaming service for a lot of people. They're the ones that should be putting in the money and the resources for their documentaries. But HBO Max or Max, whatever the hell it is now, they got something on there that I think uh, I would recommend to you guys. I think you're going to get a good, what is it, 95 minutes, I think, about an hour and a half. Oh, so, really? yeah, it does run on a little long at the end. I will say that to the point where they're piling on a lot of the crazy stuff that coach Johnson was doing and, and like doing all this stuff. The ending is very fascinating too, the way they kind of angle him and another member of his staff, which I won't spoil as well. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, I would say definitely check it out if you get the chance. I'm going, I'm going to check it out. I know yeah. the swamp documentary came out. That was on the things of my to-do list to watch. And this is up there as well. Yeah. It, th- this was a, a very anticipated week of sports documentaries and stuff. And I'd say BS high is probably the best out of the three of them. Maybe if we weren't Browns fans, maybe we'd get a little more out of Johnny Menzel's documentary. But since we're not, I think it's just probably going to be BS High, Johnny Football. I think even Swamp Kings goes below that, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I'd probably rank Johnny Football ahead of that as well. But hopefully BS BS High lives up to the hype. And I'm probably going to watch it tonight after we go over to Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium and see Avon take on McKinley. If you see us there, shout us out. We'll be wearing our big-time sports stuff. So in the meantime, thank you guys so much for listening or watching the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Before we get out of here, uh, well, first of all, we have a couple of things. Number one, I want to get Mitch's fact of the day, but I have something after that. Mitch, what is the fact of the day? Your fact of the day, Mitch, is us as humans spend over a year of our lifetime on the toilet. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. I'm trying to come up with some sort of like joke for this one, but I came completely unprepared. In the meantime, guys, I do want to uh, do want to do something for this hundredth episode. So, uh... okay, so for the hundredth episode, what I want to do is give uh, a little little bit of thanks to my partner here, Mitch Bala, for putting up with me for about a hundred episodes now, just over a year. It's been a very uh, 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 exciting and uh, a good year with you, Mitch, and I'm hoping that uh, we continue this on. In the similar setup, keeping keep keep bringing the same sort of stories and uh, and segments here with you. Wanted to give you a special, a couple special gifts. Number one, <clears throat> this is a callback to both. These are callbacks to one of our uh, favorite segments here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. One uh, was when we were talking about Girl Scout cookies. I don't know if you remember this. We have a clip on the Big Time Sports YouTube channel. But number one. We had a big celebration over a, a, a particular snack that you mentioned that or that I mentioned and you agreed with. We had a huge thing about it. I want to give it to you right here. This is Handel's Graham Central Station ice cream that uh, I'm giving over to you. So happy one year anniversary and 100 episodes. This is some of the best ice cream right here. Graham Central Station. Not a sponsor, but a sponsor. Uh, we wish we were. We wish they were because they make some excellent ice cream over there. I just had some yesterday. Not that uh, particular pint, but I do have a pint at home. So wanted to give them a shout out there. The second one I wrapped in newspaper. The second one I wrapped a newspaper, and uh, I think it's a very particularly special gift for you, Mitch, so I wanted to give it to you right here. This is also in reference to one of my particular favorite uh, segments, so I think... Uh, I th- I oh, come on. No, you don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. And hold, you know, you got to hold it up for the people once you get it. You know, it's a special thing from me to you. You know, it's a particularly nourishing uh, gift, so I wanted to give it to you here. 
if you're listening at home or you're watching, it's Lofthouse Cookies. Oh, the best cookies the on the planet ever made. You're insane. In you're absolutely insane. Goods ever. These you're, things are a disgrace to cookies. Ever. You're insane, man. I can't believe that. And even even compared to your mother's uh, homemade baking, which I saw her uh, earlier today, um, I I don't get it, man. But either way, wanted to give you a gift and a gag gift because I like you. I respect you. I like what you do you. here, big time. I like Thank what you. you do here for everything else. And, uh, yeah, here's to 100, 100 more episodes. Only 100 more? We can go longer. Well, let's go longer. All right. Thank you so much, guys, for listening or watching to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. <laughs>